Thanks for tuning in to Strap On Your Boots. I'm your host, Jason Sherman. I'm a successful entrepreneur, award-winning filmmaker, and a guest lecturer at top universities along with Udemy for my course, Startup Essentials. In today's episode, I'm going to discuss team building, whether it's choosing a co-founder or hiring employees for your company or your business. And there's a lot of different roles usually in a, in a company or a startup. The most common are the CEO or the chief executive officer, the CTO, chief technical officer, the CMO, chief marketing officer, which is also known as the VP of marketing in some companies. There's also the CFO, who's the chief financial officer. They deal with all the finances and the numbers. And there's a role that I typically like to take in startups called the COO, which is the chief operations officer. And what each of these roles do and how they work together in a startup or a business are very important. Without all of them, you really can't run a business properly. And sure, in the beginning, when you first start a company, you have to wear a lot of hats. So, um, you know, I like to uh, usually explain a company's different roles like the Avengers or the Justice League. You know, um, each superhero has a specific skill set or powers and they work really well together as a team. That's kind of how a startup works. You know, if you're really good at marketing, but you're not that good at programming, well, that's why you would need a CTO to do the programming and a CMO to do the marketing. Same goes for the CEO. The, C- the CEO is a leader, someone who knows how to raise money, someone who knows how to have a vision and lay it out in presentations, somebody who knows how to you know, explain everything and also knows a little bit about each topic, whether it's marketing or programming or finances. The CEO t- typically has a really well-rounded knowledge base of not only the industry that the company is in, but also um, how to get it out there. So it depends on what kind of company you're starting also. If it's a small business, if it's a brick and mortar company, if it's like a, you know, you're selling a product, you might not need a lot of co-founders or a lot of people in your team. You could maybe do it all by yourself, especially if you're selling, say, a t-shirt online and you have a t-shirt business and you can do that by yourself. But it's always good to have a partner if you're trying to scale a business because then you can get twice as much of the work done in half the time depending on whether or not the person that you choose has a good skill set and if they're very good at what they do. Through the years, I've worked with a lot of startups and a lot of businesses and a lot of companies. And what I found happening is I ended up doing most of the work. So the people I chose to work with, they didn't really have any good skill sets or they didn't have a lot of good skill sets. They might have had one and it just wasn't good enough to, to kind of contribute to what I was able to offer you know, what I was able to bring to the table. So I ended up doing a lot of the marketing work and a lot of the development work and a lot of the CEO work, doing a lot of the, you know, the the negotiations with investors or, you know, doing a lot of pitches in public at, at competitions and whatnot. So a lot of the people were kind of sitting on the sidelines and I realized like, well, why am I working with all these people if you're not really pulling their weight? So you really have to choose people wisely. One of the things that I always tell people, it's in my book and in my course online, is before you choose co-founders, you should get as far as you can in your business without people. So as much work as you can possibly do by yourself, do it first before you bring people on. That way, when they come on, you're valuable. You've shown that you can create a lot, that you can do a lot of work 
and that you don't really need them, but that you want them to join you to help you propel your business to the next level. There's a handful of strategies and tactics that I've used over the years to choose employees, interns, co-founders, employees. And one of the first things when it comes to a technology company where you can start to find tech people, whether it's programmers um, or people to help you um, figure out UI and UX or user interface, user experience, is to pick a very hard part of your platform. Let's So let's say you're building a, a ride-sharing business, kind of like Uber, okay? But you're doing it for bicycles, all right? So you want to you wanna be a ride-sharing for bicycles in your neighborhood. What's the most difficult part of the platform? Is it the matchmaking process, finding people that are close to the bicycles that are more prone to rent them? If that's the most difficult piece, then what you do is you put out some feelers into the community that you know on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter or you know any other platform that you use where you find programmers and you say, I have this part in my platform that I need help with and I'm willing to hire someone either as a co-founder, CTO, or as a lead developer if you can build this piece. So basically, you're asking someone to build the hardest part of your platform as a test. If, say, five people approach you and say, I can do it, and then you hire, hire them, of course, it's all conditional on whether or not they can do this, and they can't do it, then why would you hire them? Then you might find the one developer who knocks it out in a week, and you know they're smart, you know they're a good programmer, you offer them the position because they were able to build the hardest part of your platform and you know that they can deliver on future iterations and future code. So that's one trick I've used in the past and it's worked very well many, many times. This goes hand in hand with other trick is not really a trick, but it's pretty common knowledge is hosting a hackathon. If you have access to your local universities uh, or any local um, organizations that, that have auditoriums, you can host a hackathon where students come for 24 hours and they have to build that difficult part. Top prize is, you know, 500 bucks or a thousand bucks or whatever it is. Either way, you're going to be paying a lot less money for the code because they're getting the prize. And of course you can hand out trophies. You can have the news, the news show up like journalists. You can make it like a big, a big deal, a hackathon, give out swag. Either way, you're saving money. But also the, here's the, here's the key is you're meeting talent, right? So you might not, hire anyone at the event, but you'll meet like 20 to 100 or whatever programmers. I understand now during COVID, it's a little difficult to do that, but you can still host an online hackathon or even in person, you keep the tables very far away from each other. Typically, the teams don't like to be close to each other anyway because they want to be secretive of their code. So it's even better. They can wear their masks, have hand sanitizer everywhere, keep them away from each other. And at the end of the 24 hours, see who built your platform or your your piece of your platform and they win the prize and then you can offer them a job. Again, same thing. You're basically getting your platform built for you on the cheap, but also finding good talent. Now, when it comes to marketing people or finances or business people, they can't really prove their value with programming hackathons because it's not the same thing. So one of the things that I do as a test for these other startup co-founders is first thing, and this is definitely important, is give everybody a 30 to 90 day probationary period. This means if you're offering stock options or if you're offering them equity in your company or any kind of cash incentives, they need to prove that they can do the work within 30 to 90 days. It's up to you how many days you want to choose, 
But during that time, they have to show you in actionable results what kind of work they're going to be doing for your business. Okay? That's the first thing you should do. The second thing, and this is actually before the probationary period, you should have any potential co-founders or employees write up a proposal. Okay? One page, simple, an outline of what they can do for your business. What they feel as though they add as value to your startup or your company. And what I find is the large majority of people won't do this. They're lazy or they don't want to do it or they don't know how to do it because they don't know what to say. And to me, that's problematic. If you know that you add value to a business or a company, then you should know exactly what you're going to do for that business. It's kind of like the presidential elections. You have the, the, the candidates giving you an agenda of what they're going to be doing in office for four years. Well, in this case, you're asking an employee, a potential co-founder, what will you do for me? What will you do for my company if I hire you? If you spent a year on your business, there's a value there. Take that value, right? Divide it by how much they would earn in a year or how, how long it takes them to build the platform. Maybe it takes them six months. And that amount of money, say it's $30,000 and say your company is worth $100,000, well, that $30,000 is what you would have paid them. Well, that's 30% out of 100, right? So that makes sense to offer them 30% of your business. If you're further along and your business is worth $2 million and now you're saying to the guy, well, you know, I would hire you at $100,000 a year. Well, that's only 5% of the business, right? So you have to basically do math but also negotiate. You can maybe offer them 5%. Maybe the programmer or the marketing person or the business person says, well, I would rather have 10%. So you can offer them what you negotiate at. Maybe bring them down to 6%. They say 8 Then you fall into 7 And then they say, okay, fine, 7%. Also, make sure you, offer, you, um, you have a vesting. So it's four years vesting. So they don't just get the percentage. They have to earn it over four years. You can give them something up front. Very little, maybe 1%, 2% as an incentive, but they have to earn the rest every three months, every quarter, okay? Because if not, they can just take your percentage and then leave. Make sure you have your contracts. It's a whole different episode all about legalities and documents and contracts and lawyers. Um, so just make sure you have your ducks in a row, your paperwork, and you don't give out percentages right away. With interns and employees, you can give out stock options, okay? You can also just pay people if you have money or if you have investors or a wealthy family. You can just pay people to do the work and you keep all the percentages for yourself. That's also good. Just keep in mind, when you pay people in cash, they're not really incentivized as much to do well in the business. They just want to get paid, do their work, and they're out of there. If you give someone equity in the business, then they want the company to succeed because when the company succeeds, they get paid a lot of money because say the company sells for $100 million and they own 10%. Well, they get $10 million. So what's better, getting paid $10,000 cash for some job or 10% of what potentially could become a behemoth or what we call a unicorn? So these are some things to keep in mind uh, when you're picking out co-founders, team members, employees, or interns. Hopefully this helps you figure out who you can choose, when you should choose them, how you should choose them. And if you have any questions, always feel free to leave me uh, some comments and I'll always get back to you. Thanks and see you in the next episode. I hope you learned something in today's episode. If you did, please share it with your friends. If you have a business idea you'd like to pitch to me, you can do so on my website, jasonsherman.org. Don't forget to pick up a copy of my book, also called Strap On Your Boots, available on Amazon and anywhere books are sold. And if you want to dive even deeper into the world of entrepreneurship, I suggest you sign up for my course called Startup Essentials on Udemy.com. 
I really do appreciate your support if you decide to donate via PayPal. And I hope you tune into my next episode. 